0: Well, good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing this morning? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're beginning a brand new series today called Five Star Life. And uh, I, I'm excited about this series because it's something that is so prevalent in our culture today. In fact, uh, if, you're, if you're taking notes, I, I just want to kind of dive right into today. And uh, here's the five star thing. In our culture, five stars is how we differentiate between poor decent Average, good, and best, isn't it? I mean, that's what we're looking for in life. Where we're constantly differentiating between what's good, what's bad, what's what's not so good, what's really great in life. And and this idea of five stars in life is something that used to be reserved for five-star hotels or a five-star Michelin meal. But today, five stars, we can find five stars on everything. We can find five-star tacos. Come on, South Florida. We can find five-star nail salons. We can find five-star toilet paper on Amazon, the good stuff. You know, there's this culture of five-stars is kind of everywhere out there. In fact, this week, Shayla and I, we were in Nashville, Tennessee with some friends, and we were driving Uber around. And uh, every time we were getting out, just like I said in the video, you know, on, on my phone would pop up the rating system, and I would rate my driver. But did you know in Uber, your driver rates you as well? Like, they have the option to give you a star level. And so whether you realize it or not, you're being rated in life. And so they're rating you based on, like, were you on time? Were you courteous? Did you wear your seatbelt? Uh, did you leave them a tip? Some of you are like, oh, snap, I probably got like a one star. They're rating you in life. And, and, and so this idea of five stars is is really, really Prevalent, and so I thought we'd have a little fun here, and uh, on your seats is a little rat card that looks like this that has some different fives, that has a five-star and a one-star and a four-star and a two-and-a-half-star, and after this fault we start off today by rating some things in our life. And I thought we, we, we'd start off a little simple here today. And so what I want you to do, I want, with the show of cards, I want you to rate some things. The first thing is this, how was last night's dinner? How would you rate that? How would you rate that? Go on, throw a star up, throw a star. A lot of one stars out there, a lot of one stars. I, I know mine was a one star. Shayla's holding up a one star. We ate cereal last night, so wasn't a good night. Oh, some five stars. Okay, some of you guys are doing a little bit better. Oh yeah, we know you're a one star because you don't cook. So uh, <laughs> we learned. That. Current car situation. How would y'all rate? How would you rate current car situation? I love my car. It's a five star, man. I'm, I'm living the dream. Some people have some one stars. who are like, I need to get a new car out there. Okay, some five stars. How about this one? Uh, your job. Now, if you're sitting by your boss, do not hold up something bad. But how would you? I'm I'm actually giving you all a one star. I don't really like you very much. I'm just. Just kidding. Just, some, of you, some of you guys do have one stars up. Maybe it's time to find a new job out there. How, how about this one? Uh, today's outfit, hashtag OOTD, outfit of the day. What would you give yourself? I, I think I'm looking good. I'm going to give myself a five star. I'm not asking you to rate my outfit. I'm asking you to rate your outfit. Don't, don't rate me. This is not a judgment. So you rate yourself. Okay, some of you guys are not happy with your outfits. You're like one star. Well, you you have a choice in that, just FYI. Um how about this one? Any LaCroix, LaCroix, where are my LaCroix people? I think LaCroix is nasty, so I'm giving that a one star. How many of you guys have never had a LaCroix? I would keep it that way. I just go ahead, just just go ahead and just don't even don't even bother. It's disgusting. Okay, my opinion one star. I know some people some people are debating. Oh, there's a five star over there. She's like, I like that LaCroix. Anyways, uh, how about this one? Your marriage. No, do not rate that. Do not <laughs> <laughs> unless it's a five star. Do not. It, we just got done with a marriage. Oh, we got a one star back there. Oh man, that's. <laughs> anyways, yeah, that was not that was just to be funny. But uh, apparently, some of you took that seriously. So. <laughs> Anyways, it's fun to rate things. So it kind of begs the question, how would you rate your life? if you were, Don't hold your card up for that. It's like, just, this, isn't it. this is one of those questions you just ask yourself. If you were rating your life, what, what kind of star level would you give yourself right now? How would you think your life is going? And the even better question is, is how would God rate your life? Like if God were to take the opportunity to kind of do a Google review on you. <laughs> How would he say you're doing? Would he give you a one star, a five star, maybe a two and a half star? And then the question is, is what do you think the life is that God wants for you? Because I, I believe that God wants a five star life for you. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, The thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. So what our enemy comes to do, but Jesus actually says, but I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. And what's interesting about this scripture is, is Jesus does not promise us a five-star life. He says, you can have a, you may have that life, but it comes down to some decisions that we make in order to live that life. See, everybody just wants everything given to them, without ever doing anything for it. But Jesus doesn't say, hey, I'm giving you a five-star life. He actually says, you may have, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. And so today I want to talk to us about how do we live out this five-star life? Because the reality is, is there is an enemy that is out there that is trying to keep you from the life that God designed you to have. He's trying to keep you from living that full and abundant life that Jesus promised. In fact, uh, there is some principles that we're going to talk about. One principle in particular today that I believe can absolutely transform your life if you'll get it. And and I'm a principle-based preacher. I believe that if you if you apply principles to your life, the principles don't lie. They always work. That's why they're a principle. And if you'll do this and you'll see this principle, it will radically transform your life. Uh, Life and how it looks, and it's this principle uh, that is very liberating, it's very life-giving, and it's life-changing, and it's all about how do we live this blessed life, right? Because that's really what this full life is. It's a life that we would say, man, I am blessed in life, and we're going to be talking about a principle called tithing. It's kind of like that submission word we talked about a couple of weeks ago. It's like, everybody's like, yeah. And the reason why we don't get excited about that is because it's been used and abused and misused. And if we really understand what God is really talking about when he's talking about this, we won't come up with all these bad thoughts and connotations. Because when we talk about tithe, it's literally a, a biblical word that means tenth. It's saying, it's saying, hey, give God 10%. And really... It refers a lot to finances, but it has very little to do with finances. Finances are just a revelation of something else that's going on in your life. It's It's just a picture into your heart. And so, because people have misused it, they miss out on what the reality of tithing is all about. Tithing is all about this principle, and if you're taking notes today, it's this. God wants to be number one. God wants to be first in your life. That's his desire, that's his will, that's his expectation. And see, the problem is is for a lot of us what happens is, is we come into a church setting and we believe God for salvation, but we never make him our ultimate and let him become our sa- not just our savior, but our lord. So God is our savior but not our lord. And God is saying, "Listen, I want it all. I want to be number 1 in your life. I don't want to be number 2. I don't want to be number 3. I don't want to be number 45. I want to be number one in your life. And in order for us to live a five-star life, the life that Jesus promised that is a full life, it begins with us making God our ultimate. In fact, if you were to go back and look at what God is after in in the very first of his 10 big commandments, what's number one? You shall have no other gods before me. What's he saying? I want to be number one. So what he tells us in Exodus, I want to be first in your life. And the reason he wants to be first in our life, why would he want to do that? It comes out of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. And at the end of it, it says, the reason why I want to be number one is because I am a jealous God. Now, when we think of jealousy, we think, man, that's a bad thing. You shouldn't be jealous. But when it comes to relationship, the word jealous actually means exclusivity in relationship. God is desiring exclusivity in a relationship with you he's saying, hey, listen, when we come together, I want to be first in your life. Think about this in the context of relationship. If you had a friend that they they said, man, I'm your best friend, man, we share everything together, and then every time something happens in their life, they go to somebody else and tell them, is that really exclusivity in that relationship? And what God is desiring is that think about it like this there are 7.4 billion people on this planet how many of y'all know that's a lot of people and like 3.7 of them 3.7 billion of them are women imagine if i walked over here and i said hey shayla you know what babe 3.7 billion women on the world, on this world and i love you so much man you're my girl you're number 2 How do you think that's going to go? It's not going to go real well for me. Why? Because she doesn't want to be number two. She wants to be the only girl in my life, just like God wants to be the only God in your life. Reminds me of the story of a couple, they were laying in bed one night, and the wife, as they're laying in bed, over to her husband. She said, babe, if I were to die, do you think, you think you'd get remarried? And he's like, well, I, you know, probably over some time, I'd, I'd probably remarry because, you know, I don't, I don't really like being alone and, and uh, <laughs> like most men. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and she goes, well, well, would, 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 would she sleep in our bed? And he goes, well, babe, I, you know, because of economic reasons, so yeah, we probably, we probably wouldn't buy a new bed or a new house. So yeah, she, she'd probably sleep in your bed. And, she goes, w- w- would she drive my car? And he goes, well, uh, I mean, that's a, you, you have a nice car, and it doesn't have very many miles, and, you know, I don't really want to buy n- another car. And so for economic reasons, yeah, like uh, she, she'd probably drive your car. And uh, she goes, would she use my golf clubs? And he's like, no. He's like, and she goes, well, why not? And he, he goes, because she's left-handed. some of y'all can watch the podcast and get that but how many times did we do that in a relation with God God I love you but I've kind of got another love on the side and God is looking to be number one in your life And when you recognize that God wants to be first, what it does, if you're taking notes, is is, is it helps us to realize that the first has the power to bless the rest. The first has the power to bless the rest. See, when we understand putting God in the first place of our life, what it does is it enacts God's power to work in our life. Because when we put him first, we're going, God, I trust you, which means God says, you know what? I can trust you too. I can do some things in your life. And this puts us in a position to really live out the five star life that Jesus promised that we could have if we're willing to do that. And we're not really talking about money here, we're talking about a principle. In fact, we're going to go to Exodus chapter 13, going to hang out there for pretty much the majority of the time from here on out. And uh, this is a little deep, but just follow along with me. I promise it will all make sense. Exodus chapter 13, starting in verse 1. It says, the Lord said to Moses, consecrate to me every firstborn male. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to circle that word consecrate. That word consecrate literally means to set apart or to separate and give to God. He says, hey, I want you to take something, I want you to separate it, and I want you to give it to me. He says, consecrate to me every firstborn male, the first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether male, male, man, or animal. You are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey, but if you do not redeem it, Break its neck. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. Now, track with me here, because that was a really confusing scripture. Uh, it's like, man, we're going to break some necks, and like God wants the first. What does that mean? Let me explain it to you. So the, the, what's happening is, is Moses has just led the children of Israel out of Egypt, and God is establishing a covenant with the children of Israel. He's saying, hey, I want exclusivity. I'm going to be your God, and you're going to be my people. And here's the deal, I've just just taken you out of slavery, I've taken you out of this place, and I want to establish a covenant with you, and I want you to understand two things. There are some things that are clean in life, and there are some things that are unclean in life. And so he says, here is what a clean thing is. A lamb is a clean thing. It is pure. It is whole. And every time there is a firstborn of that, that livestock, when it's a firstborn male, I need you to take that, and I need you to give the first one to me. You can have 37 more from that one, but that first one belongs to me. Now, you have other animals. Maybe you have a donkey. It's an example of an unclean animal. So that unclean animal, in order for it to be clean, you need to take the firstborn of a clean animal and go and sacrifice it to redeem that unclean animal. And that word redeem is the Hebrew word para. It literally means pardon in our English language. So so track with me here. So There's an unclean and a clean. Now, he's talking about lambs and donkeys. We'll move it forward to Jesus. Now, Jesus is considered the Lamb of God, right? Was Jesus clean or unclean? Not a trick question. He's clean. He's the perfect Son of God. He never sinned. He was the perfect Lamb of God. In other words, Jesus was God's tithe to the world. He was his firstborn son. What are we? We're unclean, right? We're sinners. It says in Isaiah that our righteousness is like filthy rags. He says in order for you to be redeemed, there has to be a sacrifice of something that's clean. And so in order for us to be redeemed, what did God do? God sent his one and only son to redeem us so that we can live out that life that Jesus promised, that we may have life and have it to the full. And so Jesus is actually God's sacrifice so that we can live this blessed life. And what God is saying here is he's saying by by taking that, what we're doing is we're redeeming that. And God is saying when you put me first, when you make me your ultimate, I will bless the rest of your life. See, my plans for you are greater than your plans for you. My ideas for you are greater than your ideas for you, and I want to help you be successful in life, but success in life starts by you trusting me first and foremost, putting me in the first place in your life. That's where this concept of the tithe comes from. It's all about this, and what God is saying is he's saying, hey, give me the first 10% of your income. Before you ever give it to anybody else, I want you to give me the first and trust me for the rest, that I'll provide all the rest of it. That I'll redeem the rest. And what he's saying is he's saying, hey, would you li- rather live your life with you giving me 10% and me blessing the other 90% or would you rather try to survive on 100% that's cursed? I didn't figure there'd be a, like a lot of yays right there. God says, give me the first and I will bless the rest. I'll turn it in a way of living that you've never experienced before. And I know this doesn't make sense in your mind, but supernaturally it makes sense. Because when you get God involved in things, it changes everything. And this isn't just a principle for your finances. This is a principle for your time. This is a principle for your family. This is a principle for your career. This is a principle in every single aspect. In fact, Deuteronomy says the purpose of tithing, there is a purpose to it, is to teach us to always put God first. But God is trying to teach us to always make him our ultimate in life. And this is something that is shown all throughout scripture. You look at uh, Joshua chapter 2. The Israelites are going into the promised land. The promised land, that full life that God has promised. And what does he say? He says, give me the first city. What's the first city? Jericho. Before you ever conquer another city, I want you to destroy it and give everything to me. You look at Abraham. Abraham... uh, Has a son named Isaac, and God says, hey, before you ever have any other kids, I want you to give your son to me. Go take and sacrifice him. He brings him up to the altar, is about to sacrifice him, and God says, no, I just want to make sure that you would trust me. It's why we do prayer and fasting at the beginning of the year. It's why we say, hey, why don't you, for the first 21 days of this year, spend some time with Jesus? Why? Because the first has the power to bless the rest. It's one of the reasons why we hand you out devotionals and say, hey, spend time with God every day. When you wake up in the morning, spend some time in God's word. Read. Seek him. Why? Because the first has the power to bless the rest. And a lot of us, what we're doing is we're going and listening to CNN and Fox News, and that ain't blessing you. We're giving our first to things that can never fulfill the blessings of God in our life. And whatever we give the first to, we're saying is number one in our life. And a lot of us are giving our best to things that are not fruitful in our life. Now, I realize that some of y'all think to yourself, like, man, you sound like you're pretty legalistic about this. I'm not legalistic about this. This isn't even part of the law of Scripture. This was actually came about way before the law was ever enacted in Scripture. In fact, if you were to go back to Adam and Eve and look at their first kids, Cain and Abel, anybody ever heard of them? This is what it says in Genesis chapter 4. It says, Now Abel kept flocks, meaning he was uh, like a herdsman. He was a rancher. And Cain worked the soil. He was a farmer. It says, In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel in his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. The reason why is, is it says Cain... What he did is he went and harvested his crops, he went and paid all of his bills, he went and took care of everything, he gave the same amounts as Abel did, but it says key words in the course of time. It means that after everything else was taken care of, he brought that to God, whereas Abel said, hey, before I ever have anything else, I'm going to trust God first. See, here's here's the thing that most people don't realize, you can be tithing and not be blessed. Because you're not putting God first. You're trusting in all of your work and your activity and then going, God, you know what? I, I got a little something for you here. And I'm telling you, man, it, it's a game changer. You're like, well, how do you know what's first? If you had $1,000, $10, $100 bills, which one's first? The first one you spend. When Shayla and I figured this out 15 years ago, we, we, we were like, man, God, I want to put you first. I don't want to be giving my blessing to FPL. I don't want my homeowners association getting my blessing because they are not blessed. They might be straight from the devil. <laughs> We're not legalistic about it. It's not like, oh, my gosh, we, we paid our water bill first. God's like, no, no, no. But we, we have this intention in our heart. Man, man that spot belongs to God. And here's the thing about all this. All this takes faith. Takes faith. It says, God, I'm going to trust you before I ever know how you're going to fulfill the rest of it. And isn't that what we're about? Isn't that what this whole idea is? Why is it that we can have faith for eternity in heaven, but we can't have faith for God to take care of our car payment next week? Isn't that a little crazy to you? But yet, so many of us, that's what I've got salvation locked up. But you have yet to make lordship a priority. See, in life, we either worship money or worship with our money, but we're all worshiping. And whatever we're worshiping, are you giving your worship to something that has the power to bless you? i telling, uh, telling you, a lot of us, we're giving it to places that can never bless you. And honestly, I believe that's why our church has been so blessed. When Shayla and I, we were leaving our church in 2009 to move to South Florida to start this church, I remember we were fundraising, and as we got our first checks in for people that believed in what we are doing here, the first thing we did is we wrote checks to missions. We said, hey, we're going to give God our first. Before we ever know if we're ever going to get another check, we're going to trust God first. It's not just something we preach. It's something that we live. And as a church, we've continued to do that. Re, I remember in our first year, we were doing, we were doing terrible. Like we, wouldn't, we weren't sure if we were going to keep the doors open next week. I mean, that's how great we were at pastoring and building a church. And... Uh, and it was crazy. I remember one weekend we, it was It was like, hey, it was the first weekend of the month and uh, we, we we took up an offering or whatever and I heard God say, hey, there's a church down the way that's building a building. You, you need to give to that little church. And It's this little church called Church by the Glades. And I was like, God, they don't need anything. They got like everything. God's like, whatever. And I remember we took everything that we brought in that weekend, we wrote a check and we sent it to them. And I'll tell you what, I get more excited when I hear Church by the Glades reaching people for Jesus because you want to know why? We got seed in that place we got an investment in that place man we have believed god for that place that he would do greater things than he's ever done listen and i'm not talking about this because we need money in fact i would tell you here today this is a principle that i just want you to apply to your life if you don't believe that we're trustworthy here go give some money to church by the glades because i don't want something from you go give some money to calvary chapel i don't want something from you i want something for you i want you to live the blessed life I want you to live out a five-star life, and a five-star life begins with you putting God first in every aspect of your life, In the thing that is most critical to your heart, Jesus said, where your treasure is, it's where your heart is, so basically what he says is your wallet pulls your heart, and God's going, like, where are you putting your priorities, Man, I'm preaching a different message to y'all. Y'all are getting something different than any other service. I don't know why that is, but you are. Proverbs chapter 3 says this, in everything you do, put God first. And what happens when you put God first? He'll direct you. And he'll crown your efforts with success. See, some of us, we're going, God, crown my efforts with success, but you've never put him first. And he's like, like, I can't trust you with success. Have you ever thought about that? Like, if you've never proven yourself trustworthy, then why would you be given trust? Just saying. It says, honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all of your income, and he will fill your barns with wheat and barley and overflow your wine vats with the finest wines. And I know that some of y'all are challenged theologically, and you're going, man, that's, that's awesome for you to say, but you're like a professional Christian. You're correct. I am. Like, I get that. But I would challenge you to look at history and talk to people that do trust God first. It's pretty, pretty obvious. David does down here because he shout me down. Like I always know the people that do because they always shout me down. Because they know the power of putting God first and how he'll bless the rest. But you can look throughout history. J.D. Rockefeller. Maybe you heard of him. Rockefeller Center. In uh, 1905 when he gave over $100 million that year. This is what he said. He says, I learned that if I put God first, he takes care of everything else. Talk to Brian Banta, who's out there on our security team right now. He owns one of the largest pool companies in all of South Florida called b and Pools. Ask him to talk to you about tithing. Go, hey, what do you think about tithing? You better have an hour of time because he's going to talk to you about the transformation that takes place. This isn't me saying it. These are people that are living it out. Because it's not really about your stuff. Honestly, it's all about your heart. At the end of the day, it's important for you to understand, it's a matter of your heart. God's not after your money, God is after your heart. God doesn't care if you have nice stuff. He just doesn't want your stuff having you. Continuing on in Exodus in verse 14. It says, redeem that thing to me. It says, in the days to come, when your son asks you, what does this mean? Say to him, with the mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. When Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the the Lord killed every firstborn in Egypt, both man and animal. This is why I sacrifice the Lord, the first male offspring of every womb, redeem each of my firstborn sons. And it will be like a sign on your hand and a symbol on your forehead that the Lord has brought us out of Egypt with his mighty hand. See, this idea of putting God first isn't about money. It's about, really, it's about gratefulness. It's about us having an understanding of what God has already done and will continue to do in our lives. In fact, I, I want you to picture this as, as these people are leaving Egypt. They're generation after generation after generation have been slaves, and now they're having kids and they're having grandkids and they're they're now ranchers. They have cattle and livestock, and, and I'm sure that a son probably at some point walked up to his dad and he says, Dad, I realize we're in the cattle business. And every year when our lambs have babies, you take the firstborn male and you sacrifice it. Like, that is not helping the family business. Like, that's actually kind of working against our goals, isn't it, Dad? And I'm sure in that moment that that father Took his son and put his arm around him and said, Son, do you remember seeing your grandfather out here working? And when it would get really hot out here in the desert, he would take off his shirt and there were all these scars on his back. See, we weren't always ranchers, we weren't always free. We didn't always have all of this. In fact, at one point, we were slaves. Our life was not our own. We had no options. We had no opportunity. And by the mighty hand of God, He delivered us. And because He delivered us, I'm so grateful that I'll gladly give to God. Whatever he asks of me, I'll never forget. A few years back, my dad had come into the town, and my dad has not found the Lord. And uh, he was sitting at our dining room table, and we just finished up our taxes, and so everything was kind of sitting there. And he looked over, and he he saw how much we we gave to church and ministries, and he's. My dad's idea of a lot of money is like $100, and I remember him being like, man, coffee must be really expensive for you guys to give that much money, and I remember it was my opportunity to have a conversation with my dad, and I said, Dad, do you remember when I was 18, 19 years old, how I messed up college, and messed up opportunity, and the alcoholism that was running in our family was running rampant in my life I I was just jacked up and messed up and, and then somebody introduced me to this guy named Jesus and when I was hopeless and broken and Just wandering in life because I didn't have any clue what to do. Jesus came into my life. And He broke an addiction like almost instantly. And I started having hope, I started getting direction. All of a sudden, I saw a future where there was no future. because of what He's done in my life, man, I will gladly give Him anything He asks of me. Because I'm so grateful for what He's already done in my life. If He never does another thing, He'll get all of me. Tell you what, as God would challenge us in that, as 2009 came along and he asked us to leave our families, leave careers, leave opportunities, leave houses and 401ks and cash all that stuff out to come and believe for a life-giving church in South Florida called Coastal Community Church. We gladly gave it all to him again. We've watched God's hand be on our life the entire time. We've watched him come through where there was no way. We've watched God bless our life over and over and over again. Sometimes in the craziest ways. Sometimes in some pretty normal ways. But here's what I've learned that five star life that we're all looking for. Begins when we trust God with all of our heart. When we say, God, you don't just have some parts of me, you have all of me. And here's my prayer for you today. It actually comes out of Ezekiel chapter 36. Because what God is after is he's after your heart. He says this, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. He said, I'll remove from you your heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh. And here's his ultimate goal that he says, you will be my people and I will be your God. God. For some of you today, this message is not about money. This message is about God wants to do a work in your heart. He wants to transform your heart. Some of you have had a hardened heart based on your circumstances, based on what's been done to you, based on a lot of things. And God's saying, hey, I want to replace that today. And I loved you so much that I gave my first and my best, my one and only son, Jesus Christ, to redeem you from that life so that you could have a heart of flesh, so that you could be my people and I could be your God. And maybe today you're here and you need to make that decision. For others of you, maybe you're here and you've just been hardened by life. Maybe greed and selfishness has hardened you and today you're saying, God, I've I've held some things back and maybe today you need God to replace that. You need to say, God, I, I need to break this in my life and I need to trust you.